That is Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Hello and welcome. Hello. To another episode of Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast. We still haven't figured out how to start it right. Anyway, I'm Alex. I'm Jan, and I'm suffering for a major PED. Post, bleh, I don't know what it is. What is it? Post Eurovision d- um, depression. Yeah, those of you listening to us in Europe will understand Europe yes. and Australia. Um, you, those of you in America will have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Eurovision is like the Miss Universe of music. As our friend just described it, American newly Eurovision fan friend. Yeah, we turned him on. Yes, I think yeah. so. Congratulations to the gay people in Netherlands who are probably celebrating because Netherlands won. Wait, they're not this all year? gay. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like one of those kinds of countries where everybody's, you know, having a good time. The song contest is over. I'm drained emotionally and it's time to start another episode of daddy squared that's right yeah yeah that's right daddy squared um, pump it up so alex i wanted to talk to you about something that actually we talked about yesterday at uh, the after party that we had uh, after part after your vision party we talked about checkout at grocery stores oh that was tough i was having a hard time with that didn't you with the words that's <laughs> yeah. right Sorry. But what a nightmare it is to go through checkout with toddlers. Yes. And um, so we kind of heard some horror stories, which I, I thought I'm like the only one who's like, when I go to checkout, I kind of make sure that all four hands of the kids are down. Like yeah. you have to really watch their hands because it's so easy to grab. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is like, I, I try to distract them by telling them the stories that are in the gossip magazines. So I'm like, this is Angelina Jolie. They just broke up. Mm, so sad. She's very sad, but she has six kids, you know? And that's we'll adorable and all, but in the meantime, the children have like shoved chocolate and po- lollipops and star magazine in their pockets. <laughs> so and- you know what's the most <laughs> horrifying stories that uh, one of the dads told us that he was like doing the business at a cashier and when he turned his head back to his uh, daughter she was like already stuffed a full pack of Mentos in her mouth. It's the like, fresh maker. <laughs> and I'm like why do they put it there like to, to it obviously to make our laugh more miserable. Look in all seriousness th- these are people for whom Everything is new. I mean, imagine if you had never seen a star magazine, you had never seen Mentos, you had never seen any of these things. Imagine Everything is new. You want to grab all of it. I don't, you know, I don't blame them. They make me crazy, but I don't blame them. That is squared. Episode four today, uh, we're going to talk about cooking with kids. Yeah. Um, so we brought on celebrity chef David Burka. He was great. This was really fun. I had a good time with yes. this one. Yeah. And you know what? The reason why Alex and I decided to go with this issue is like, it's very personal. Um, both Alex and I really suck at cooking. Yeah. Well, really, really I really suck. suck. You're not bad. It's just that neither one I of us like actually you know, wants you need to, to do be, it. You need to be creative in order to be in the kitchen. And um, all of my creativity is like anything but the yeah, kitchen. Me too. 
we kind of terrified about the whole uh, evening and making dinner idea. So on one hand, we do want to introduce our kids to like healthy food and, you know, not mac and cheese and not like uh, food that is easy to make, like pasta every day or spaghetti or whatever. But on the other hand, we just don't know how to get into it, like spending two hours in the kitchen in order to make food that you know, eventually our kids will look at and say, I don't like that. Well, right. But one of the There's things that he says, in it. one of the things that he says, we well, can listen we'll to listen it. to it. David Burka, uh, if the name sounds familiar, uh, you probably heard about him on the like gossip columns and stuff like that. He is the husband of Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. I think they're kind of the most famous gay dads. Can I say that? I would have no way of knowing that. That's a really interesting question. Certainly. I think so. I don't know. We, you know what? You can write to us at hello at daddysqr.com. And tell us who's more famous than the two of them, other yeah. than us, of course, Jan <laughs> and Alex, you know. And you know what? We received a lot of emails this week, and I want to encourage you guys, keep sending us your stories, or if you have some comments or criticism uh, on the show. One of the most interesting emails that we got this week, Alex, was about was from Victor from New York City. He wrote about something that's related to the first episode of the season when we talked to Circle Surrogacy. Mm -hmm. um, so he said that we forgot to think about frozen egg bank. A lot of the people kind of tend to forget that it exists and right. it can reduce the whole costs of the egg donor yeah. and all the medication and stuff like that. And he's kind of uh, looking into it right now. And I corresponded with him and, and we said that I also going to do some research on the I subject. I think we should ask Circle Surrogacy and ask them to give us some information that we can put on our site. Yeah, maybe that too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so if you have uh, something, idea or experience or something that you want to share with us, uh, please write to us at hello at daddysqr.com or on Instagram, the Gay Dads Podcast. And uh, I think now it's, a, it's an amazing time to hear from our sponsor. Alex, take it away. <laughs> Sound like a Eurovision host. I love it. It's great. Take it away, Alex. Okay, I got in it. In the green room. I got it. Are you ready to become a dad? Surrogacy is a wonderful way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy was founded by a gay dad through surrogacy and has been helping gay singles and couples become parents for over 20 years. Because surrogacy is an emotional and financial investment, finding the right agency to partner with you and support you on your journey is very important. Circle Surrogacy believes that everyone should have the opportunity to be a parent. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com. Circle. That was Ben. Thank you. Okay, Alex, thank you. Um, I think uh, it's about time to go to the interview. Yes. So here's David Berka. Um, we talked to him through Skype. Um, it sounded pretty good. Yeah. You know, this was better so than he our was in New York. telephone. And uh, should we tell them the whole story? No. We're, no? Okay, Sorry. because here it is. love the remix of skype <laughs> i know that's so great oh and there he is yeah it, it, it it's makes, like a new version it makes up for a lot of the other you know problems with it but if microsoft wants to sponsor us we love skype <laughs> <laughs> hi david thank you for hey, joining guys. us i'm so sorry that uh you know i made a faulty 
decision on meeting you guys on Sunday when it was the day after our <laughs> wig premiere. It was it was a super late night, and I there was no way that I was getting downtown. You know what? No now that day. now that I hear you, it's it's worth it all because you sounded so bad on the phone. <laughs> you sounded terrible. I, it was, I want you to I, be I literally, sounded. I could not. I mean, I don't go out. I don't drink, so I don't. <laughs> it wasn't like I was hungover or anything. I just the accumulation of like everything from my book tour to the opening of the film at Tribeca I, it was like I got hit by a Mack truck that morning it, <laughs> I, I just could not imagine you know having I, to uh, move my body <laughs> I, I really I really so dearly wish that I could um, relate to what you're talking about <laughs> but it sounds it sounds challenging and wonderful at the same time oh totally <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way I, I'm a kind of person that has to be moving all the time so you know last time I, I saw you I think it was a few years ago in my previous life as a foreign press journalist I was on oh, some sort out. of a red carpet thing and I was covering was, was I covering it too was you I, were covering uh, it too for e I think e, e or entertainment tonight uh, e e. Uh, e e news yes right so what uh, what short, happened short-lived uh year at e news <laughs> <laughs> what uh, happened since then I mean and uh, now you're publishing a new book as a chef can you feel yeah, us I've in had a ton of chapters in my life I've done quite <laughs> a lot of things uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way you know um you Uh, I started oh. out as an actor working on Broadway right after college. I got my oh, first wow. Broadway, Broadway gig and did a lot of plays. With, I did two new plays with Edward Albee, uh, which was phenomenally awesome in my life, uh, and did a musical with Sam Mendes and Bernadette Peters, Gypsy on Broadway. Oh, um, Bernadette um, Peters. And then, you know, uh, we moved to L.A. because I met this guy named Neil Patrick Harris, and we moved and he got a show called How I Met Your Mother, and we stayed in L.A. for about 10 years. Yeah, um, but he's not really and, interesting. Uh, so let's, <laughs> let's focus on you. <laughs> so where is the, the cooking so, is in all? of this so yeah so I was said. living as an actor you know thinking that oh yeah I'll get on a TV show no problem in Los Angeles and you know I, I got some TV here and there and it was it was few and far between it wasn't like New York where you work and work and you do workshops and readings and and, and you just keep busy you know with eight shows a week life is you know pretty full as an actor in New York but LA you know you're going to the gym and then you're going to an audition that you don't necessarily really want in the first place and you work on the audition and then you don't get it and you're disappointed and then it's sort of a full circle of like depression that I, <laughs> I living and so and then I found out that my mom my dad called me and told me my mom was going into chemotherapy for leukemia okay. so I flew back to Michigan to be with my family and 20 days later my mom was passed my mom passed away I'm sorry oh. and it I know it was 11 years ago last week wow, wow. Um, yeah it's it's wild and and you know what I thought to myself uh, I can't be in Los Angeles auditioning being depressed for stuff I don't even want to do and you What else, you know, I had a, 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 a sort of a, a fork in the road and said, what else makes me happy in life? And I said, you know what, I always loved cooking and I always loved making things for people. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to go to cooking school. And I went to La Cordon Bleu. Oh, yeah. Pasadena. And I thought, you know, this is, uh, you know, I know that Neil and I were going to have a family someday. And I thought, you know, this will be a skill, even if I don't even use it. This is a skill I'll have to cook for my family. Right. And, which was so weird. Also, you know, I found out a year later after, during cooking school, my mom had left me some money and it was the exact amount of... 
Oh my God! Um, Wait, cooking school, cooking over school, cooking school, cooking school cost. <laughs> my, it's, my husband uh, <laughs> just showed me that he got boost bump. He got yeah, boost, it's just they believe in this stuff. Isn't that, that crazy? It, it's, it's amazing. Like, it's, it was meant to be. Yeah, That's it was great. totally meant to be. So I went to cooking school. I ended up getting. I ended up doing an internship right after school with Mario Batali, and then from there things just started falling from the sky. You know, I started doing a lot of um, work with other famous chefs like Thomas Keller and. Cat Cora, and I opened up a catering company. I, uh, a friend of mine, Christina Hendricks, who's on Mad Men, the really yeah, beautiful redhead. Yeah, sure. She's, uh, she's a good friend, and she was asking me if I knew a caterer. And I said, you know what? I'll do it. Why and does she there, eat? Oh Not God, for her, it's for her she's, guests. <laughs> she's such a foodie. She's, oh, really? She's, they, yeah, her and her husband, Jeffrey, are amazing foodies. They love food. So wow. we always had that in common. We'd go out to fun dinners together. But uh, but so I ended up you know, doing a whole giant party for her and the cast of Mad Men. And from there, it just took off. And I started doing Hollywood parties and celebrities and all these really, really fun people. Um, but from there, you know, I my agent said, well, you know, this E! News thing came up. Would you like to go in for uh, an interview? And I ended up going in and they hired me as a correspondent and, they, you know, they promised me the world and it, it wasn't exactly what I thought uh, in life and I didn't really enjoy that. You know, I ended up doing some cooking segments on TV, which was really fun. Oh, cool. But but the other, you know, the the, the world of E! News is not not where I wanted to be. Right. So I did that for a year and then, you know, I ended up coming back to New York and cause that was always the plan. Once Neil was done with how I met your mother, we were always gearing towards going back and living in New York and, Right. You know, we had kids and they were about three years old, uh, cause we wanted to raise our kids in New York and have them go to New York schools. And so, um, and then from there I said to myself, okay, well I'm, I'm at another fork in the road. If I get back to New York, I'm going to start doing Broadway again. And if I do, if I get it in a Broadway show, I will, you know, do that. But if I, if it takes me, you know, more than a year to do that sort of thing, I'm going to have another kid and we'll have, you know, and we'll have another baby. But, you know, three months into living in New York, uh, I ran into a producer friend of mine uh, who I'd worked, Daryl Roth, who was a famous producer. And she said, hey, I've got a project for you, you know, read the script and tell me what part you want to play. Play. And so I ended up doing another Broadway show and that was that was it. And then I realized from there that I can't do a Broadway show with three year old kids. You right. know, it was impossible. You know, although Neil was able to help out, it was I was missing all of that, as you guys know, as, as dads, that really great, awesome time at night when they're going to bed and they're vulnerable and they're sweet and they want to talk to you and they want to cuddle. I was missing all of that for right. you know seven months. Right. Uh, it was a really hard time for me because I didn't. I missed being with the kids and and I I'm not going to get those years back. So I thought, you know what, I can't do another Broadway show. Right. I got to put my life on hold. Still, you should yeah. know that uh, you know I work for a movie studio and I frequently tell major producers I threaten them that that if they hire me I will not have another child if they don't hire me I will also not have another <laughs> that's a child. threat to me actually <laughs> we have twins as well so oh you guys have yeah. twins we have we three, three and a half year old twins each? two boys two yeah. boys amazing two boys it, it, so, I mean it's how old are they they're three and a half. Oh wow you guys are in it still we're in it you guys in um, it. oh why what? do you get out of it yeah, yes. yeah, that's you get out of when, it. When, when? Tell us. Four and a half, five years old. 
you start going, oh, this is why we had kids. Because <laughs> I feel like from one to four and a half, you're you're still going, what am I doing? I'm not that I uh, that I haven't figured out, but I think they, you know, once they turn four and a half to five, there's a reason you can reason with them, and they're fun, and they're bringing stuff to the table, and right. there's a lot to, you know, they're they're you're doing stuff together as opposed to just doing stuff for them. Yes, we're yeah. seeing um, glimpses, early early glimpses of that, and I know what you mean, or at least I I feel it coming, and it's uh, oh yeah, we're, we're, we we're fantasize golden, about that the golden years from uh, I guess five until around ten, five right. eleven, you and know, then it goes to five. hell in a handbasket. <laughs> then how, it goes, yeah. Uh, yeah how old uh, how old are yours? They're eight. They're okay. eight. So still in the golden hilarious. years. They're amazing. I so, just absolutely love this age. <laughs> we're still, uh, we're here to basically talk about uh, cooking for yes. kids. And um, and what I wanted to ask you is that uh, Alex and I both have, have a problem. And the problem is that we Uh-oh. don't cook at all. I mean, we have, we're kind of terrified of it, actually, uh, especially because both of us are working and, you know, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't, I mean, by the time we get f- home from work and, you know, we have to, to do, to do the it's baths exhausting. and everything. It's, it's, yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. How much time does a person should spend in the kitchen, let's say for dinner per day? I say 45 minutes. Oh, wow. That's not a lot. And that of course doesn't include cleanup. I assume we're just talking yeah, about just about the dinner. Uh, well, I mean, you can do it if you do it right. You can, you know, cleanup can be minimal. I mean, if you're cleaning while you grow, while you're going, um, it's it's not it's not hard. You know? And is that and one also, person, or do you have uh, a, a Neil no, sous chef? No. Well, Neil Neil doesn't sous chef with me. I mean, I, I'm usually doing it by myself, but he's great at cleaning up. I mean, if it, it it's sort of a go, it's a given. If I'm going to cook, he's going to do the dishes. Right. But you know, there's minimal dishes. Sometimes there's a lot, but but usually there's you know, it's just our plates and bowls and things that we used for dinner. Right. Um, but. Uh, for the most part, I think forty-five minutes. I mean, if you if you spend a little time on the weekend prepping, I think for the week, then it can be done super easy. So, what are the the dishes that you make? Like, what what do you make for dinner? Oh, it's always different. It's always different. See I mean, that yeah. there or that there That's is where the scary you lost part. me. But yeah. go ahead, tell okay. us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, you know, I you know, there's this thing that I do on the week. You know, I'll do, I'll spend a day or you know, a couple every other week. I'll do this thing called sous vide. You know what sous vide is? No. When you. It's a it's a French technique of cooking your food in a water bath. So it's like a really fancy crock pot. You get these you get these bags, or you can even use Ziploc bags, and you it's a immersion uh, immersion circulator. So you put it in a tub, and you put your meat in with spices and herbs and 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 different kinds of oil or whatever seasoning or marinades, and you can cook it up to temperature. To exactly the temperature you want. So I this see. is all like chicken or lamb or beef or anything like that. And so I make big batches and then I freeze these things. Oh, and I see. all I do is take them out that morning and then I, you know, I put some oil in a pan, salt and pepper on it, and sear it, and it's done. And it's restaurant quality, amazing. You know, it's it's interesting. I think one of the things that I'll speak for myself here. One of the things that I have the hardest time with in cooking is not so much the actual action, you know, during that 45 minutes, but it's exactly what you're talking about. There's a foundation of preparation and thinking Mm -hmm. that goes into this that I suspect makes it a lot easier. 
and I think for somebody like you, it comes kind of naturally, but um, here's a book idea for you. I think that the idea of uh, training myself to look at the long runway of the week and say, like, just do this on Sunday and do this in the morning it's, on Monday, etc., would actually make my life a lot easier. Instead, it's what so happens, funny. That's what my that's what my my publisher wants me to do next as a book. Uh, family meals. Wow. You know, like yeah. what to do on the weekend to get to get. <laughs> ready for the week you know what um, listen i volunteer i can be <laughs> the guy who fails over and over again in your book and then at the end you <laughs> reveal me as somebody who can make some food and it would be a major accomplishment it's like the biggest loser only cooking <laughs> it's going to be accomplishment but, for the whole mcgann uh, family of line you know that's right because my mother couldn't cook either <laughs> exactly i mean but the thing is is that you know you can i mean i a roast chicken is one of the easiest things you can possibly do. All you do is, you know, you, you pat it dry, you put salt and pepper on it, and you put it in the oven, 425 right. for an hour, and that's it. Right. Actually, from your I book, mean, I, I would say that, well, I, I would so, start from So, you know, you can have it for that evening, and then you have another chicken for the whole week. And think about all the things you can do with a chicken. I mean, right. there's so many things you can do. with a soup or a chicken pot pie or chicken enchiladas or a chicken salad or just putting it on a regular green salad. I mean, there's it's endless possibilities, right? And that's the same with you know, like if you do a roast, uh, you know, you've got put take half of it, you cut, you know, if you get a big roast, you you cut it in half, you put the rest in the freezer for uh, two weeks from now, because I mean, meats and proteins freeze really, really well, uh -huh. so you can just pull it out and then repurpose it in another way. I mean, that's what I'm always doing, and I'm and we also try to eat a lot of fish in our family, and fish takes, you know six minutes to right. sear it's it's not hard it's just right. you got to just practice and you got to do it you know it's funny the, the, what you just said you got to practice and just do it is really important i i have a suspicion um and maybe this is me just projecting my own you know proclivities but um i think that there's an awful lot of america who probably doesn't cook for their kids at all no right no and i think that's why people are having it's an epidemic when kids are so picky these days i i think that kids are just eating chicken nuggets and burgers and it's a it's a real problem mm -hmm. it's a real problem i think we have a responsibility to go to the farmer's market and get local produce and we need to cook with our kids in the kitchen because not only do we we, we need to support our local farmers and eat healthier, but we also need to show kids where food comes from. Right. right. You know, there was that J Jamie Oliver, you did a, a whole special and kids didn't even know what broccoli was. Right. I, yeah. It's beyond. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I my kids love to cook with me and they love to go to the farmer's market and take them grocery shopping and, you know, explain to them what things are and show them and see. And I mean, it's so I feel like it's there's so much on YouTube that you right. can just watch and see. Right. And, and what you can do with different kinds of vegetables and, and, and different kinds of meats and things. So it's 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 just a matter of getting in there and, and taking the leap. If you fail, you fail. You know, it's like, you know, if you fail, you know, that throw it away and order pizza. But the next time you'll have a more of a sense of right. how to do it. Look, um, I, I think I think that what you're saying is really important. And and 
there is a, a message that is a little bit different. I, I find that there's often a conflict where uh, people who talk about food make it sound so easy, right? As you just mm -hmm. did before. But I think that on the flip side, what you're saying is this is something that people should commit to. And that means that even if it's not as easy as, you know, ordering what, frozen dinosaur chicken nuggets, which I, I don't, I just made that up. I, we've never done that, of course, ever. Um, even if it's not as easy as doing that, um, there's a real value in it. And it is not something that you should, uh, it's not something that you should ignore um, just the way you don't ignore, I don't know, educating your children or taking your children to the doctor or taking your children to play in the park, um, that cooking is an important part of their lives and, and you should commit to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think also a, a big thing in my book is, uh, you know, I, I never, I, I mean, I think it was like once or twice I used jar baby food or one of those squeezable things in a pinch, but I never had my kids eat uh, that bland baby food. And I, I'm so glad because I, I went to the farmer's market and I got carrots and I got peas and I got asparagus and I got, I, I got all different kinds of fruits. And I never, uh, there's this great book called Hungry Monkey by McAllister that debunks all of the uh, myths on what you should do with feeding your kids because I think kid, people, doctors say, oh, start with the rice cereal and then go to this and go to that. And and it's bland. And right. kids don't, at six months, they've got, their kidneys are working fine so they can process salt. Salt brings out flavor. Yeah. So, you know, I gave them curried carrots and peas with mint and zucchini with herbs of Provence, peaches and cinnamon and, uh, and all of these different kinds of foods. I went there and I would spend a day and I would just, you know, steam them or boil them with these different kinds of herbs and spices. And then I'd put them in little ice cubes and yeah. put them in the freezer. And they learned to eat spices and herbs and they were exposed to all this kind of flavor. So now they eat anything. I mean, my kids will eat anything you put in front of them. Right. And I think there's a lot of parents that just get give their kids jarred baby food and there's no salt there's no flavor and and of course they're learning to eat bland so no wonder they want to just eat chicken nuggets and they want to eat you know macaroni and cheese or plain pasta with you know butter right. um uh, you know i i think that i think the more we can try and expose our kids to these kinds of things the better eaters they will be um so, you know, that's that's what that's what worked for me. You know, I think also people also placate to their kids a lot, too. I think they they don't want to put up the fight of of um, not uh, having an argument with them. So they'll just make a second meal. You know, there's no option in our house. There's no okay. second meal there. What what we're eating for dinner, they're eating for dinner. But who decides and who decides what you're eating? You decide. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I decide. I mean, and I mean, oh, also, I, I ask the kids what they want, what they're, what they're into. Usually, they usually say sushi. They're always wanting sushi. <laughs> I know. <so>. Excuse me. <laughs> exactly. I love it. It's so bizarre. My kids are. They love uni and sea urchin and abby and I'm mean, raw. It's beyond. It's so weird. But sushi is expensive, so we're not eating sushi every day. And also, I'm afraid for mercury poisoning. So it's right. you know, it's a once a week treat or every other week. It's uh, you know, it's nice to have sushi. And also, I make 
like sushi with them too. It's a really fun thing to do rolls with them. Wow. Um, yeah. And then you can watch that online. Right. And it's right. Not, a, not a hard thing. But but the thing is, is that people are afraid because the kid won't eat. Like you put greens in front of them and they said, I'm not going to eat it. And and the parents are like, okay, that's fine. You're going to starve. The kid's not going to starve. Your kid is not going to starve. It's going to take, it'll take about two to three days and it those two to three days will suck because right. they'll be complaining and screaming and whining and crying. But after that two days, they will eat. I think that yep. you have just you've just uh, tripped over uh, a fundamental disagreement in our household because uh, <laughs> oh, our, really? well, yeah. our pediatrician told us that when the kids were like three months old, you know, worry about them drinking. Don't worry so much about them eating. They'll exactly. they'll come around to it. And I took it deeply to heart. And my husband chases the children around with a fork full of food <laughs> like some kind of deranged person. <laughs> let me let you know, they the kids are very, you know, it's interesting because you, you you don't think that they can limit themselves or they know but the kid they are they pretty much know when they're full you know right. they'll tell you I'm gonna stop I mean I think it gets when they're when they're when they're around three four five I think that's when the pickiness starts or when school starts when they start seeing what other people eat right. that's sort of when they're um they're peer pressured or they're they're feeling like uh they want to be like other kids. I think that's when it sort of starts becoming a little tricky. Um, but but honestly, they're they they can adjust with how they are full and they're not full. Um, and and they're not like I said, they're not going to starve. Your your kids are probably <laughs> just fine. So I. I want to go back a little bit to something you said earlier, like you gave us all these ideas that we can do with chicken. And I kind of ran a poll before uh, interview and asked who of our listeners is making dinner every day. And most of them, I mean, uh, there are a lot of couples who do, but there's also couples like us who, you know, both of them are working and some of them are scared of the kitchen. So. Mm -hmm. And I think one way to kind of look the fear in the eye is uh, five first ideas for meal that we can get from you uh, for dinner that can spark the imagination and let us get to the kitchen like safely and confidently. Um, there's a there's a meal that I make that's 15 minutes and it is so uh, the kids love it um, you know I, I take uh, raw shrimp and you take some cumin you take some salt you take some lime and you just marinate that for you know a couple of minutes and then you just Throw it in a pan until it's nice and, um, you know, of course, take the tails off. You don't want to peel yeah. it. You want to have it deveined and, and, and cleaned. Um, but then you throw it in a pan and you wait till it's to temp. You know, usually it's a couple of minutes one side and a couple of minutes the other side. Um, and you can see with fish, it's really easy because it's a you can you can watch, you know, the fish come from raw to uh opaque you know you can see it you can see it from one side it, it, it's easy to just mm -hmm. watch it come to temperature come to uh being done uh, and then you just flip it over and you watch it come you know to temperature as well and then um and then i take uh like flour tortillas or corn tortillas just put them on a, a flame uh till it's nice and sort of malleable and it gets a little char on it put some sour cream some cilantro or cabbage or something like that and there you go there's a taco oh wow i mean that's I mean, great and, and then you want and you, you can make some rice if you want mexican rice even 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 like doing like i like 
to do one homemade thing and then make one store-bought thing or one sort of box thing. And, you know, like a can of beans is really easy. You don't have to – all you have to do is heat that up. Right. You know, and and then some rice. Even mm-hmm. even a box of rice aroni is fine. You know, I mean yeah. it's it's better than the alternative of, of, of just having chips or something like right. that. Right, right. Um, so that that's a that's a meal we do. I, I also um my kids love doing poke bars. So it, this seems to be a little bit more of a wor- work, but I mean just taking raw tuna and marinating it in a nice uh you know soy sesame um uh, sort of uh, blend of uh, and that's also another great thing online. You can look and see a, a great. Uh, recipe for poke but then you make some rice and then you get all different toppings and they can make their own bowl you know avocados or um, fried wontons or uh, some edamame uh, seaweed you know and they I, I think my what my kids respond to is if you have um, you you sort of put it all out there for them and they can feed themselves. I, I think those are really yeah. fun activities for them to get involved, like a, a taco bar right. or make a, make your own burger bar, uh, that sort of thing. Um, uh, uh, other other ideas for for uh, dishes, you know, a, a nice a roast is really really nice, uh, you know, and you do that in the weekend and then you can repurpose it for you can you know if you have the the meat you can do um you know shredded beef tacos or you can also uh do sandwiches uh, french dips or something like that um oh that sounds good uh, actually wow <laughs> getting a little uh, you know and there's i mean there's just there's plenty of there's plenty of things out there i mean i think now with with um Fresh Direct and, you know, there's places like Our Harvest, who, which is a great – I don't know if they have that in California, but they must have some sort of um, uh, company like that where they're, they go to local farmer's markets and they bring all of this stuff to you. Oh, really? Including fish and great meat from different purveyors. And there's places like Gold Belly as well where you can get um, things sent to your house – for you know either they're already already made gold belly is amazing because you can get anything from basically anywhere from around the uh, united states you can get uh, barbecue from texas from barbecue uh, no barbecue from texas <laughs> sorry uh you can get you know coney dogs from detroit you can get uh deep dish pizza from from Chicago. You can get stone crabs from Florida. You can get uh, Pat Lafrida meat. You, I mean, it's it's basically if you go on their website, it, they have it all out for you, and basically you just get it in the mail. It comes in a great, uh, uh, comes with dry ice or ice packs, and then you just you thaw it, and and that that's it. Wow. I mean, it's it's, and I think it's really great to sort of you, you make one thing, and then you 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 take out one another like with whole foods or different kinds of places they have really great things that are already pre-made right so you don't feel like you have to do it all but you know i i think that if you can supplement uh, it really is helpful you know mm-hmm. you make you have just a protein you know make right. a skirt steak on the grill and and that's it and then you can you know get 
some potatoes or something from Whole Foods or get some greens. And, and uh, we also b- like to blanch a lot of vegetables too. You get vegetables and you just pop it in salted boiling water for a couple of minutes and there you go. And that's mm. my kids eat broccoli like that. They eat, you know, uh, roasting vegetables is another really great thing. You high, high heat temperature, Brussels sprouts or carrots or uh, cauliflower and uh, olive oil, salt and pepper, and just pop it in for 15 minutes at 425 until it's nice and sort of caramel. And it's delicious, and it's so easy. Right, right. that sounds amazing. <laughs> By the way, I, I just wanted to share with you something that I th- think is really fascinating. Um, our kids are what they call these days twiblings. Um, yeah. So one of them is biologically uh, mine, and the other is biologically Jan's, and they're that's what what, what our kids are. Oh, too. you have the same thing, right? Yeah. So is that what they're called, twiblings? Oh, I don't know. Somebody made that up to you know oh, to sell babies. <laughs> um, but in any case, um, what I find so fascinating is um, the one not that we've done a dna test but it's pretty damned obvious the one yeah, that is biologically true. mine um eats has the same horrible horrible you know uh uh attitude towards food and the one that's biologically yans has this wonderful israeli approach where he sees lettuce and he gets excited about it and he's like "Ooh, a salad you know and and, and the one that's biologically mine drinks out of the ketchup bottle you know so it, it i don't know if you've had the similar experience where you see similar tastes passed down genetically but it's so clear with us i I have with, you know, uh, my my daughter is very much like my sister so i see it in her in my sister not necessarily me but they have very similar taste buds um uh, but you know our son eats anything you know he's like that's a garbage nice. disposal it, it's unbelievable you know our daughter's a little more pickier but i think when you get into school and other girls it gets to be a little trickier uh, you know it, it, kids can be awful sometimes and you know she gets sort of made fun of sometimes if she likes a lot of different foods um, which which I think in a way they are trendsetters you know I know my there's a story about my son when we were in uh, at dinner and we were with like 10 year olds and 7 year olds and he was five at the time and he orders escargot <laughs> it, it comes to the table and these kids are freaking out they're hiding behind their parents and you know my kid is the youngest one at the table and my my son says you know hey don't knock it till you try it oh my god you know and i mean he just you know drop mic on these 10 year olds who are freaking out about escargot yeah, that's but great. it's so true I mean I, I was so proud at that moment <laughs> <laughs> you know I, uh, so one of the problems that I find with our kids is that they really they're really picky um, especially like one of them is actually looks in the food to see if there are black dots oh, or spots. you know yeah. Yeah, yeah you know like stuff like that were your kids like that how can you get over this my kids were never like that. I, I, I'm super I, I think it's because you know food has always been such an important part in our life and and there's always being food cooked and we're always going shopping and and, and uh, our, our meals are very sort always so important. Um, you know going out to dinner is a really special thing and you know my kids can sit for three hours at a dinner, which is crazy. <laughs> oh um, but you know they, they've been conditioned to do that, you know and, and I think you can do that too I think if you just stay strong and say this is dinner 
and I'm sorry, but there's no negotiating and you're going to eat it or you're not going to eat it. You have the option and that'll take a couple of days. And I think it'll, it'll just take a little while to, to re, re reinstate the way they eat. Right. Um, and I, I, I think that can, that can be achieved if, if you put the work into it. You've talked about the way you've raised your kids with, uh, with food. How were you raised mm-hmm. with food? I was raised sort of the same way, you know, I, I, my parents, there was always, you know, and I talk about this in my book, uh, my, there was always a really big importance on entertaining and food and drink and having a good time. And we always stopped for dinner. We never had the TV on. We never, you know, we always unplug I, I there that's a really important thing in our family mm-hmm. and Neil and I that we we don't look at our phones right. at all during dinner um I think that's a, a really important to just connect I get so sad when I go out to dinner and I see uh, the whole family on iPads and telephones <laughs> yeah. like why even have dinner why right. connect why why not connect um but but we we always put an importance on it and my mom never never made a second meal you know we always had exactly what and I mean even as growing up as a baby you know she would take the roast or the carrots or or whatever she was making that day or salmon or whatever she made and she'd just grind it up and make it into a puree and I would eat that. There was right. never, you know, there was never a, uh, a baby food jar opened uh, and and there was always sort of just an importance on eating what was in front of us, you know. Yeah. Um, was uh, was she the was she the cook, or did they share that? They both were. They both were. My dad, my dad was a great. My dad is a great cook, and my mom was amazing at cooking. I mean, they both had different strengths, and they both had different meals. My dad would barbecue a lot, and my dad also had a big garden, so that was a big thing for me. Is to in the summer we would um, we would go pick uh, and sort of harvest what what was out there i mean we didn't live in a big we didn't have a giant backyard or anything but he he took pride in taking care of his garden so we knew where vegetables and fruit came from right um so we and i try to do that with our kids we have a rooftop garden on our on our on our house in brown um, in harlem and the kids really love it uh, and i think that's another thing to you know, during the spring or even right now is a good time to start planting, you know, not seeds because seeds, it's too late for that, but yeah. just get, get already little, you know, tomato plants or cucumbers because kids love picking vegetables. You know, it's, I think at your age right now, they'll want to pick things that aren't ripe. Yes. So yes. That, I know we had, <laughs> we had that trouble. I, they come with a handful of green tomatoes. I was like, no, you guys, stop. <laughs> don't pick it till it's ripe. Uh, but but we uh, we really we really took pride in food and and we really took pride in, in entertaining. So there was always a family party every every other weekend. Uh, you know, our family lived within forty five minutes uh, from each other, and we had, you know, I had four aunts and uncles on you know uh, one side and and another four on the other side and lots of cousins. So we were always together and celebrating, and everyone would bring dishes to pass, and we'd always be. Uh, uh, celebrating around food and drink. That's lovely. Yeah, it is great. Um, I wanted we we don't have much time left, but I really wanted to talk to you a little bit about your story uh, with the surrogacy. 
Is that yeah. okay? So can yeah, you can you please tell us a little bit about like your experience? Yeah. So when Neil and I met, we we it was a it was a given that we were going to have kids. I told him, you know, if you don't want kids, and see you later. I always knew that I wanted to be a dad. Um, and and so when my mom died, you know, my mom never got to see the grandkids, uh, and that was kind of a bummer because that's all she really wanted in life was grandkids. So we really looked at each other and said, you know, life is too short, man. We we have got to get on this. And, and you know, having kids is not a, an old person's game. You got to do it when you're young. Um, right. So we decided to have kids, and we ended up, you know, this was you know, 10 years ago when we started the process. So, um, so it, it's a, a little different than it is now, but we had a surrogate and then, um, we took our best sperm and then we found an egg donor who, um, you know, through books and we had them make videos and we, we saw yeah. hundreds of women. And I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing. Like how, who is good enough to be your sir, who's good enough yeah. to be your egg donor? You know, right. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a hard thing. Um, but she's anonymous and our surrogate wasn't. So we, we took, um, our best guys, uh, and then we implanted them into the egg, and we had two. Uh, we had two embryos, and so we implanted two embryos into the surrogate, and the surrogate uh, ended up. We were hoping for one, and two took. So oh, one yeah. of them is mine, one of them is his, and that's how it came to be. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty much exactly what we did. Although we intended, we were really hoping that both of them would take, and and yeah. both of them did. Are you still in touch with the surrogate? Uh, yeah, Where I is mean, she uh, we from? you know because of uh, the situation that we're in and being uh, in the limelight, we just wanted to keep it as secret as possible. Like I, I don't want you know photographers coming to her house oh, and coming into her yeah. world, and and so we tried to keep it as private as possible. I, I keep in touch with her more than than more than Neil does, uh, but you know we we send them Christmas gifts every year and and. Um, and you know, I just heard from her because she was taking a test. Uh, of she's went back to school about, uh, on human sexuality. She's doing this whole course, and one of the questions had to do with Neil and I. So she <laughs> took a picture of it. So it was really interesting. Uh, she was she was glad Funny. to see that. But you know, it's it's not like we we cut off. Uh, communication with her um you know she i think will be in our lives and i, I think when the kids are old enough to really get it i mean they're right. still eight i don't think they're necessarily uh, they know they came from a surrogate but they don't know necessarily the process like i told my my daughter asked me where babies came from and i told her everything that there Pasadena. was you know and she was like uh okay i don't want to know anymore <laughs> like uh so so then she sort of left that for a bit. So I, I think there's time for that. But, you know, if, if they want to meet her, I, I would, you know, I wouldn't say no. What was the hardest part for you in fatherhood so far? The hardest age, I, I think, you know, was was zero to one. You know, yes. I, I, I... We're with I, you. <laughs> I, I don't... With twins, I literally, I still don't even remember. It's a haze. I, I don't, I don't... <laughs> I don't even remember that year much, you know, cause you're, you're as a parent as, and especially twins, as you guys know, yeah. the lack of sleep just, it, it's beyond, it's just, it, you don't, 
you can't function as a human being. I feel like around three is when I started to go, okay, I'm starting to become a normal person. Right. right. Yeah, I think and we... It puts, and it puts such strains on your relationship. Yeah. Um, right. Just like, you know, after five, six, seven, seven is when Neil and I started connecting again, <laughs> which is really a big deal. I mean, you know, you have... We were together for... You know, we were together for a while before the kids came. So you have this bond and then the kids come and it shakes it all up. It's yep, a snow globe. Right. And it really puts, you know, how you guys see each other as parents, how you guys see and 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 your relationships change and, and you change as people and your relationships change. And, and you have to just be open to change and yeah. know that things take a different turn and and I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble with marriages I think they realize that oh well he's not the person that he was 10 years ago well of course he's not right you know and you have to be you have to be open to that and 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 and, and accept that and realize you know there is an unknown out there that who knows what's going to happen and you just got to go full you know go in it blindly and and happy and 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 joyous and free and go forth unafraid and so um it's it's been an interesting interesting thing i mean it changes you know childhood and parenting changes in so many different ways you think you got it you know at 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 four and then all of a sudden it changes and it's a different thing you're dealing with right, now yeah. eight is a whole different thing i mean they're really trying striving for this independence and they're they're uh, very emotional and and there's a lot of they're wanting to be their own person but they're also little kids still and they're still trying to figure out all of that stuff because they know that you know middle school is right around the corner you know fourth grade is is they can see these kids that are a lot older than them right so they're not a little babies in kindergarten anymore and they're not the old kids either so they're yeah. in this limbo stage and it's really interesting to see uh and it's it's you know it's right now it's in terms of challenges is just getting them to listen to us and doing asking what you know we ask from them it's uh it's it's wild having to repeat yourself 85 times before oh, goody. you go well, we... up and, and try not to <laughs> be as crazy as, as, as you could be. Uh, we have that so... to look forward to then. Good. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, it never stops, you know, and, right. and that's, that's the thing about a parent, you know, you never, you never stop worrying and you never stop, uh, you know, doing what you do. But it, it I think it, it, it starts, it's becoming way more rewarding from five on, you know, it's right now you're just sort of trying to manage and chase and, right. <laughs> and get control. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> David, thank you so thank much. You so this much. has been great. We really My appreciate pleasure. your My time pleasure. and your advice and your food. Well, I'm going hope, straight to the kitchen now. I, I hope it helps. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again. Thank you so much. You bet guys. All the best. This can give us motivation. What can, right? Well, look, I, I have to say, there were a few things that he talked about specifically about the process of cooking, etc., that I found really interesting. But one of the most powerful things that I take away from this, and and I guess we should we should uh, confess, we're, we we confess here on this podcast, um, <laughs> is we're really quite. Terrible. Tell me what before we're, we're I quite, edit it out. We're quite terrible. We're terrible. Oh yeah. I mean, we we 
Um, and so anyway, one of my takeaways is, is this, um, you know, we invest so much of our time and love and effort in our children and yet we don't do it in the kitchen. We just don't. And I think that until this interview, my thought was, yeah, but that's, that's a different thing. That's different from the time that I take taking them to the park and, and teaching them things and all that. Well, no, actually, it turns out that's not true because this is teaching them things. Yeah. This is very much about kind of investing in a life of of health, a life of appreciation of food. I got to tell you, I'm terrified. I really am. Like, because I realize that I have, he has made me realize that I have this responsibility. And um, while I think he gave us some really good pointers, I'm afraid of the, I'm afraid of the fucking kitchen. And, you know, and, and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to stand there with a pot and I'm going to figure out something to do because yeah, it can't just be dinosaur shaped chicken thingies. Yeah. So you know what? I think exactly the same. That's exactly how I thought when I left this interview. And, um, and I think that it's, yes, it's our responsibility. Um, and it's also a challenge. So something to look the fear in the eye. Yeah. I have the tiger. We could we could serve tiger. Oh, that's probably not. <laughs> and I think acceptable. Something that I should start with from his book, by the way, that I lo- I kind of looked through his uh, the recipes there, and there are some complicated ones. And there are like like he said, the roasted chicken. Yeah, it's really easy. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of keep you posted if you guys are interested. <laughs> But even if you're not, we I'm will. really excited and about the book that he's doing next, the one about cooking for kids, which yeah. we did not know about. Did you? Did you no. know? We did not know about this before we interviewed him. There's always the possibility, by the way, that he didn't have a plan for that book. And then when we started interviewing him, he made it up. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm working on that book. Yeah. Anyway, it's um, very exciting if he comes out with that. Anyway, if you guys were inspired or you kind of want to implement some of the things that David uh, suggested in the interview, please write to us and let us know. Hello at daddysqr.com or on Instagram at the Gay Dads Podcast. These are a few of my favorite things. My favorite thing for today, it's about secondhand stores for kids' clothing. Oh, yeah. Very early on, and I know that a lot of uh, gay parents like to dress up their kids like with expensive and brand clothes and stuff like this. And I am not really much into it. So if you're one of those parents, it's probably not for you. You know, secondhand stores for kids, every item costs something like $3 or $4. And it really can save you a lot of money, especially if you're new parents who just spend like, you know, half a million dollars on surrogacy, like like we did. Well, all right. We I mean, no. Half a million dollars. Quarter of a million. Yeah. Um, so... S- something that I specifically like, and it's really convenient, it's swap.com. Um, this is an online service that actually people send their clothes to them and they take photos of the clothes. They make sure they're clean and um, available for reuse. Um, and they sell it back in like, you know, $4, an average item. Of course, you can find them like something that are more expensive, like a Nike shoes or Nike pants, and it will cost like $10. One of the things I really appreciate about it is you get a box of clothing and you don't have to unwrap each and every piece and take all the labels and stickers off because it's basically just ready to put on the kid. And that's the way I roll. Yeah, at the beginning, I kind of washed them when they were um, three months, six months old. I used to wash 
the clothes before uh, the kids wore it. Now I don't do that when they're three. It's not you know really necessary. But now when uh, they go to the park or to the to school and come back with uh, two holes in the pants every other week, um, you know, clothing becomes really expensive and it's really easier basically yeah. to order from there. So try it. By the way, they are not a sponsor, but not that yet. could always change. <laughs> Swap.com. Alex, yes. what, are, what is your worst thing for today? Well, I'm going to try something today that is controversial. I hear amongst many of not only my gay dad friends, but my gay friends and my Jewish friends and my other minority friends, um, this kind of concept that says it is not my responsibility to educate others about who I am. Um, and this kind of sense that they feel invaded when people come and ask them all kinds of questions about, uh, you know, who they are. And I have to say right here, right now, this is not one of my favorite things. When people stand back and say, this is not my responsibility, I say, if it's not your responsibility, whose responsibility is it? What it really comes down to is this. I really genuinely believe that any question, any question asked in earnest should be answered and it should be answered by us. And I'm going to give you some examples of questions that you may not want to answer. Well, you go ahead. What do you have? Who's the wife? Right. Okay. There's one. Which one of you is the wife right now? Here's the question I have for my listening audience, our listening uh, audience, should I say audience? Our our family, our listening family. Our community. Some of whom may be unfamilying me right now. Um, you know what? So the person who asks that question, are they asking the question because they hate you? Or are they asking the question because they don't know, because, because they weren't raised around this, they don't understand this, and they're asking the question because they want to understand. And if that's where they're coming from, you have a responsibility to answer them. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, mm, tough cheese. It's not that it makes you feel uncomfortable, it makes you feel... Stupid. I'm so. Why does it make you feel stupid? You're not the idiot asking the question, who's the woman, when there are two men in the relationship. Wait, I have more questions. Okay. Okay? So, uh, how did you get your kids? Here's a good one. Here's a tough one. Don't you think it's important for a child to also have a mother? Now, that one sounds really tough, right? I have been asked that question a few times. Yes, really? I have. And guess what? I'm sorry, guys. I want guys, to slap stop. That Shh, quiet. I'm sorry, guys, you have a responsibility to answer that question. You do, because if that person, it's probably a woman who asked that question. If that person asked that question, they didn't ask it from hate. They didn't. Now, if they walk up to you and say, um, how can you be such a disgusting person, you filthy pervert? Okay, guys, that's not a question coming from the heart. That's not a question coming from confusion or ignorance. That's mean, right? And at that time, fine, tell them to go away. But I want to take one more, more step. Than that. I want to take one more step. Yes, and even this one. Doesn't it worry you 
that the Bible says that what you are doing is a great sin? I've also been asked that question, and I will answer that question, and I will answer it honestly, and I will answer it warmly. I will say, you know what? It does say that what I'm doing is a great sin in the Bible, but the Bible says that a lot of things are great sins, and you may be sinning in a lot of great ways too, but I'm choosing to live my life with love, and I hope that you will too. And the question I have for our listeners is this. Do you think that it is not your responsibility to fix the rest of the world when it comes to gays? I do. And I know it's uncomfortable and I know it's hard, but I would remind you about the many people who came before us who were out there, uh, you know, demonstrating, working behind the scenes to pass laws. All I'm asking you to do is answer people's questions when they're asked from the heart. I know it's hard, but I think it's your job. That is Baird, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Miguel. And that is and that is my very uncomfortable uh, uh, a message. Alex, for I'm speechless after this. <laughs> you should represent the U.S. in the Eurovision. Make a song out of it and make, represent the U.S. Look at me, I'm a beautiful creature. No, no, don't sing it. (laughs) Don't sing. Speak it. Don't sing, please. (laughs) Guys, that's all from us for this week. Um, I hope you uh, enjoyed our interview. I did, and I'm going straight to the kitchen. (laughs) Straight to the kitchen. I'm going gay to the kitchen. Just as long as you can be barefoot, but please don't be pregnant. Maybe, you know, only with an apron. Okay, that's cool. Wearing an apron. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Imagine that. That's good. (laughs) Guys, see you next week. Thank you guys very much. Bye. If you're thinking about becoming a dad, surrogacy is an amazing way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy has successfully made the dream of parenthood a reality for gay singles and couples from across the U.S. and around the world for over 20 years. The surrogacy process and surrogacy costs can be complex. Circle's experienced staff will partner with you on your path to parenthood. Circle Surrogacy was founded on the belief that everyone should have the opportunity to become a parent, and they've helped bring almost 2,000 babies into this world. Circle Surrogacy makes parenthood possible for gay dads. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com.